This episode of Contact has been pre-recorded. The holidays are one of the most joyous times of the year. Christmas is such a special occasion, and for a lot of people, this is our favorite time of the year. But for many more, it's a time of stress, maybe for you too. Between all of the holiday decorating, the cooking, the planning, the gift giving, it can be a lot of work. Now add on top of that, that of course we're still going through the COVID-19 pandemic, and there are still a lot of political tensions. This makes for a triple threat of sometimes what is the most stressful time of the year. We're going to get some advice in a replay episode with our friend Dr. Ralph May, a clinical psychologist, with some advice that he gave us last year for the tumultuous year of 2020. We think it still applies. I'm Brittany Madera, the host of Contact, and this portion of the show brought to us by Lifespan Family Services, Adoption and Foster Care. Each day in Pennsylvania, there's at least 15,000 children taken from their homes due to abuse or neglect. Foster parents provide homes to these needy children. Lifespan Family Services trains, supports, and compensates foster parents to address this problem. Call Lifespan Family Services today at 375-1314 or drop in at the Dubois Mall or at Lane Avenue in Punxsutawney. Lifespan Family Services, helping people help children every day. 375-1314. Again, this is a replay of some of the advice that we got from Dr. Ralph May, a clinical psychologist last year around Christmas time. Whenever we talked about why it seemed like that year and this year, honestly, went by so quickly. How did this happen? And I guess um, what I tend to call it is like a date deficit where I am not sure how it suddenly got to be this date. And I don't think I'm alone in this. Um feel like maybe it should be, I don't know if I was guessing, maybe like October. Right. Um, it. Why is this? Why does it feel like this year has gone in some ways so quickly and in other ways so slowly? Our passage of time uh, gets impacted by stress. Uh, when somebody's in the middle of a, a significantly stressful event, time, the perception of time changes. And so time can either slow down. For some people, it seems like, oh, my God, it's taking forever, it's taking forever. Other times, it's like, how did we get here? Where, where did we get here? It's related to a condition called dissociation, which we normally do when we're bored or stressed, where we kind of go away. You know, we, we disconnect from our normal routines and passages of time. And so it's a sense of, oh, my goodness, you know, how did we get to this point? Uh, a lot of people are having that reaction because of the general level this year of stress. And so, like you talked, triple threats, so many different things were going on this year. We were overloaded with information uh, at a, everywhere you turned, and it just kind of cause time to be really distorted. Now, we talked last year with Dr. Ralph May about how it was such a divisive political year in 2020, and some of those feelings really haven't gone away, even though it's a year later. Let's hear what advice he gave last year. And I think we've been hearing this story over and over of friends and even relatives who have um, they've stopped speaking to each other or are maybe even worse at each other's throats over politics. So what do you think that effect is having? How do politics mix in with this, with our, our general emotional health? Well, I think what happens is politics just amplifies. It just amplifies the underlying distress and difficulties that we're having. When we feel out of control, I think it comes down to this, and this is a very common psychological reaction that people face. When you're confronted with circumstances that make you feel like you're losing control, losing control of your world, uh, losing control of your family, losing control of your health, losing control of your economic safety. P 
people become naturally wanting to restore that control as quickly as possible. They want an answer. They want a direction. People want a direction. They want an answer. They want a way out. They don't want to feel powerless, helpless, out of control. And people will find an answer. It doesn't mean it's necessarily the right answer, but people will find an answer in order to solve the problem. Mm -hmm. What's happening now is, you know, America has always been a country of very diverse political, religious beliefs, social beliefs. Uh, Our diversity can be our strength. But if it's amplified in a way where one side's got to be right and one side's got to be wrong, then it polarizes. It creates this tension between sides, which always does exist to a degree, but it intensifies it so that people think the way out of this, the way to get control back is to be this. The way to get control back is to be that. And then you have these, these disagreements about the right answer that become, become violent even sometimes where, no, it needs to be our way. And it's driven underneath all of this is a very basic human psychological need to feel safe and in control. And when and the, the pandemic the political arguments, uh, the normal stress that we experience every day, all these things combine to create a sense of loss of control, loss of safety. And people, that's a terrible state to be in. No one wants to be in that state. The problem with it is people will try to get out of the state in a variety of healthy and unhealthy ways. Mm-hmm. And if, if, you know, if there's not a clear support for a direction, then it becomes it becomes an extra stress of trying to figure out what to do. Who do you believe? Who do you trust? Who will get us out of this? It's either this person or that person. It's either this ideology or that ideology. And that creates an immo- it creates actually a greater sense of loss of control. It fuels the very fires that we're trying to, to, to tamp down, to dampen down. And so it, it's really one of these things where we have to take a step back. Ultimately, the answer to this is we have to take a step back. We don't have to all agree with one another. That's never been required. What we need to do is step back, take a deep breath, recognize that we are all in this together. We're all in the same boat. You know, either you're in this boat, you either row the boat, bail the boat, steer the boat, but everybody's in the boat. Somebody's <laughs> got to do something. And, and so, you know, we're not going to suddenly get out of the boat. We all have to recognize that when we work on this together and we respect each other's opinion, when we disagree with them, disagree. We're allowed to do that. It's just that respect, respect. You know, there was a book written years ago, Everything I Learned, I Learned in Grade School, I learned in mm-hmm. first grade. And, and respecting one another, taking turns, listening to one another, doesn't mean you have to agree. But when I listen to conversations now, people aren't listening. They're just telling the other person what they should do. So, that doesn't work. <laughs> work. <laughs> so I guess what I'm hearing is maybe the point is not to convince someone of something that they don't believe. That's not the point here. The point is to maybe more so than talk is to listen. Yeah, listen and reflect with them and try to understand their perspective. That doesn't mean you have to agree with them. That doesn't, that doesn't mean you necessarily agree with the thing you're saying. I, I work with, I, it helps me as a psychologist to work with people who are very depressed. People who are very depressed believe a lot of negative things about themselves. I'm no good anymore. I'll never be good to anyone. There's no reason to keep on living. But those things aren't true. They, they've just lost connection with their sense of worth, their sense of value, their sense of purpose. The depression has taken that away from it. It's the illness that's taken that away from them, not them. But when you're talking to them, 
if you just try to say it's not that way, it's not that way, it's not that way, they, they, don't, they won't believe you because that's how they feel. Mm. You have to listen. You have to understand how they got to that point. You have to let them tell their story. You have to understand their perspective. If you can't do that, and you don't have to be a psychologist to do that, but if you, if you can't do that, if you can't listen, then, then there's not going to be a conversation. There's not going to be anything that leads to a meaningful sense of control. You can gain a sense of control by listening to someone else's opinion, even if you don't agree with them, because you at least understand where they're coming from. You can at least respect where they're coming from. That's, that's what we're missing in all the, one of the things we're missing, I think. And maybe, maybe part of um, what is so difficult about having those conversations sometimes is especially is that a lot of these conversations are happening online, which is a different feeling. Very different. And, and even with us in doing remote teletherapy at the guidance center, um, it's not the same thing as sitting with a person. You can communicate with someone. You can listen to someone. You can see them. But what you're missing is the sense of their presence in the room with you. This is a very important thing. And you can do it even with physical distancing. Even if you're six feet away from someone, when you're sitting down, looking at them, making eye contact, and you can see them in the chair, you can feel their presence, it is different. It feels more real. It feels better to be able to do that. Now, you can still listen very well using Zoom. You can still work with somebody. You can still communicate with someone on Zoom. But it's not going to feel the same. I think you just have to embrace that. I think we just have to embrace that. We, we, that's just the way it is right now. Yeah. I, a little thought experiment I've done with my staff is, what if this were 40 years ago and we didn't have the Internet? What would we be doing? And again, this is a replay of an episode that we did in 2020 with Dr. Ralph May, a clinical psychologist. And so a lot of the conversation focuses on how to make those adjustments for COVID-19 over the holidays. Back in 2020, we thought by next year, 2021, this would all be over and done. However, we do know that some families are still dealing with COVID-19. In fact, I know a lot of families are postponing plans because family members are sick, or they're still trying to be a little cautious about how many people they bring into their household. I think a lot of this information still applies, even if you are trying to have a normal holiday this year. We know that COVID or not, the holidays are never going to turn out picture perfect. There will always be something wrong, whether it is that one of your family members can't make it to Christmas dinner this year, or whether it's something as silly as somebody burnt the ham. A lot of what Dr. May talks about is just being flexible. So let's reflect on what his advice was in 2020. So we only have about 10 minutes left to, uh, to wrap up this conversation, but let's end with the holidays. Um, and the holidays are a very special time, but they are also admittedly a, a stressful time as well. And um, let's, let's end on that note of how to make Christmas or whatever holiday you might be celebrating, how to make it happen in a more meaningful way. Now, there is always some person in a household that is a little more into the holidays than everyone else, right? Right. <laughs> and, always, and they can be very frustrating people. They, they want you to be very happy in the way they want you to be very happy. They want you to, to be filled with joy and be that little yeah. Christmas elf. Um, right. for, for those people who are maybe disappointed that the holidays do not look perfect this time of the year, and they are never perfect, but um, that they are less perfect than ever, potentially, what's your advice for the people who, who make Christmas happen? and are having trouble coming terms to, to these new adjustments? 
this year, and I, and I would say first, this is for this year. Next year can be however you want to make it. But this year, we have some accommodations we're going to have to make. And we need to get creative in how we make those accommodations. Do you put up your tree? Do you do everything that you would normally do, even though you're not going to have all your family in the house or visitors over like you would? Do you do your normal rituals, even though it's not going to turn out the way you want? You, you're not going to be able to do what you normally do. And, and that's the thing that concerns me, too, is that and we saw this at Thanksgiving, is that people are so pressured to want to have things normal for the holiday. This is a special time of the year. They want it the way they want to celebrate it, their traditions. And so ignoring the virus is not the thing to do here. It's just not. I mean, as hard as it is this year, we're going to have to really adapt to doing things differently. For the people that want to celebrate, celebrate. But celebrate in a different way. Create a ritual with, with Zoom with your family. Have a scheduled time to get together. Eat the meal on Zoom together if you have to. Limit your gatherings, but, but enjoy them. Remember the reason for the season. You know, Christians have a clearer concept of what this is for, but this, there, are other, there are other faiths at this time of year as well that celebrate. We need to remember that ultimately these holidays are about connection with others. They're about our relationships. They're about the people we love and the people we reach out to and the people we share space with. They're about our, our colleagues, our friends, and our community. You know, we need to think about Christmas as a time where we do come together not necessarily in the, in the way we normally want to do it, but in new ways or different ways that still honors the spirit of the season, that honors that our connection, how we treat one another, how we treat one another is what this season is about. It's about kindness. It's Absolutely. about respect. It's about joy of being with other people. If you can't physically touch them, that doesn't mean it diminishes the love you have for them or the love they have for you. This is just a different time. We love one another by respecting one another and keeping one another safe. And we'll get through this together. So I would, I would recommend, you know, new, new rituals, uh, new different ways this year of celebrating Christmas. And some people want to keep as many of the rituals as they can. Like put up all, the, I, I put up all, my wife and I put up all our decorations, everything like we normally do, so that we can sit there and celebrate that this is the Christmas season. Maybe it's a little different. Maybe we don't get to do everything we want to do this year. But next year, it'll be okay. At least we'll be here. That's the goal, right? We want everybody to be here next year. We want everybody to be here so we can hug them. So we just need to get through the short term here. Uh, and, and if you're one of those people where time goes fast, it, next year we'll be here before you know it, and we'll be through this. Sure. And in a strange way, maybe, um, whenever you are forced to pare things down, whenever you are forced to cut away at least part of the celebration, let's hope that the part that is left is the part that's the most the meaningful. most important. Think about and, and Joe and I talked about this for years about the stress of all buying all the right gifts, going all to these big parties, doing all this. Well, this year that kind of stress is not going to happen. It's a different kind of stress. It's not about you know the the traditional problems we have during the holidays. It's about we can't have our traditional problems. <laughs> you know, they, you know, we. I would I would love to have one of those traditional frustrating Christmases where all the family was together physically, right? Right. So, so we'll get there. You'll get there again. Don't worry. But, but <laughs> this year the stress is a little different. So what we do, when, I like to use the term pared down, the concept that it strips the holiday ends what it really should be, right? Right. Yeah. Loving one another, caring about one another, honoring life, the fact that we all have an opportunity 
to do good things together and to enjoy one another. And, and, and no matter all the craziness that's going on around around us, what we can control is our decisions about how we're going to do this. That's what we do control. Now, Dr. May, um, what what you said about helping others, that is such a big part of the holiday. Um, and I know that there are a lot of people, uh, people who are alone, perhaps, for for whom the holidays are a lonely time. They're not just stressful, but they're maybe a sad and lonely and depressing time. So what can we do for those kind of people who might have already been dealing with the the loneliness of the holiday? How can we reach out when we can't reach out in those normal ways? We can reach out by calling them on the phone. We can reach out by, if you if you can't go into their house, you can go over and stand in front of their porch, wave to them, say hello to them, make a sign. I see a lot of that, making signs, you know, showing people stuff. Go up to the window and wave and talk to them through the window. Connect in any way that you can, uh, showing that you care, showing that I don't know what Christmas, if people send Christmas cards much anymore, but this would be a great year for Christmas cards. Yeah. This would be a great year for that good old tradition of just letting people know that you're thinking of them, that, you know, you're there. And, and talking on the phone or video chatting or just going up to somebody's porch and, and waving at them, these things do make a difference. Maybe they're not as good as being able to hug somebody and being face-to-face with them, but they make a big difference. Do you think anything good is going to come out of this on the other side? Well, yeah, I do. And, and, and you know, people, people like frown at me when I say this, but COVID has given us an opportunity, hasn't it? It's given us an opportunity to evaluate what's important, to mm-hmm. evaluate what really matters. COVID has given us several gifts. I used to hear complaints all the time about, oh, I, have, I never have time for my family. I never have time. I'm working so hard. I've got so many hours. i got... And now you have time with your family. Now I'm hearing people say, well, like, my kids are driving me crazy. You know, so, so we have to remember that COVID has given us an opportunity to spend more time with our families, to do things together, to explore new things, to learn new things. I mean, people are isolated. Well, why don't you try something different that you've always wanted? I never had time to pick up that hobby. Well, you have some time. Take advantage of what you've been given, even though if it's a small thing. Take advantage of the gifts that COVID might have given you. You may not see them. Take a look for them. Look around for them. Because a lot of the things you used to complain about may not be as important anymore. There may be other things that you can do now that you you can acquire and learn from. So I, I think that COVID can give certain gifts to us if we just, if we, for a moment, we get out of survival mode and frustration about all our changes and look at what we can do differently. And there may be some things that we want to hold on to after this is over, right? Sure. Maybe we maybe there's some things that we start doing, or relationships we form, or, or new traditions we start that we're going to want to hang on to after COVID because they're good things. So I, I, I believe that in every trauma, in every disaster, there are positive things we can learn, and we need to find those and hold on to them. A wonderful thought and, and well said. Um, Dr. May, as you would likely say, our session is, is almost up. So okay. I'm going to give you a uh, a moment to give us some, some more parting wise advice and maybe um, launch us into looking into the future after this. And I know we've already spoken about there is going to be an eventual end. There is eventually going to be the the light, I guess, that we see eventually. So... Um, 
how do we prepare ourselves for that? Because maybe in the midst of all of this, um, we've gotten used to to dealing with so much of this, what seems like unending stress. How do we prepare for the eventual end that is coming? Well, I think that, first of all, we will be able to get back to normal, at least whatever normal we want to create. Uh, it will be a good thing. It'll be great. It'll be wonderful. Uh, at first, I think people are going to feel so much relief and so much happiness. I predict that next year and the year after, people are going to be taking vacations. They're going to be going out to eat more. Uh, the businesses that have been under extreme stress are going to flourish again. Things are going to be rebounding. The economy is going to be good. We're going to be coming out of something in a very positive way. But the, the effects of COVID, the lasting effects of COVID can be positive and negative. We're going to hear more about some PTSD in uh, medical workers and first responders and people who have been exposed. We're going to hear about some of the long-term health effects of people who may have been sick and differentially affected by the virus. Uh, Brittany, there's going to be books and movies for the next 20 years. Mm. There's going to be history books. There's going to be, this is going to be, we are in an unprecedented time. So there's going to be positive and negative that comes out of this. Uh, I, of course, psychologists, I'm worried about the people who will be affected negatively. I, we need to prepare. The mental health community needs to prepare itself for the people that are going to be negatively affected. Not everybody is going to be negatively affected. This is not everybody's going to have PTSD. Some people will. We need to be ready for the people that need the help and be prepared. But I will say this. We will come out of this stronger. We will come out of this better. We will come out of this having learned something. And I hope that, that we, people will take from this uh, not blaming other people, blame, 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 but, okay, what have we learned? What have we learned about ourselves? What have we learned about our country? What have we learned about what we want to avoid and what we want to strengthen? And so ultimately, this is going to be a learning experience when we get to the other side of it. Um, and I, I think people just don't want to talk about it. Typically, when you come through a trauma, people want to forget about it, right? I want to forget about 2020 or forget about COVID. We need to get past it, but not forget it. You need to learn from it. You can get past something without having to forget it. You want to take from it what you need to learn so that, you know, if we face crises like this again in the future, we're better prepared. And and that's, to me, you know, preparation and thinking. It doesn't mean you have to dwell on it. It just means we have to learn from it. Dr. May, um, just a moment left. Let's end on a very hopeful note. What are your hopes for our listeners for this holiday season? My hopes are that people will look around and say, this is what's valuable in my life. This is what I think is important. Not stuff, not things, but the people around me are what's important. And that's what I value, and that's how I want to spend my time, and that's how I want to spend my holiday. Wonderful. Well said, and um, that, is, that is my sincere hope for, for everyone and, and for you too, Dr. May. So thank you for... Thank you for being here. Um, it has been just a, a phenomenal, it's been a pleasure. Well, thank you, on. Brittany. I always, and give Joe my best, by the way. Absolutely. I, I, I hope for his healing quickly. Will do. Um, thank you again for being a part of the show, and happy holidays and Merry Christmas to you. You too as well. Take care. Stay safe. Thank you. And that's Dr. Ralph May, a clinical psychologist associated with the Community Guidance Center. And again, this was a replay episode from the year 2020, but a lot of that advice still applies. Not necessarily just about COVID, but about being flexible in general. Whatever your plans are for this holiday season in 2021, remember the true meaning behind it. 
Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and we hope that you are making some fantastic memories to move forward into the year of 2022. Big thank you to Dr. Ralph May, our guest for this morning for this holiday episode of Contact. I'm Brittany Madera, the host, and this portion of Contact brought to us in part by Community County Services, family-based mental health. Hi folks, are you having problems with your child at home? Is their behavior a problem? Are you at your wit's end? If so, call us for more information. Community County Services, we provide family-based mental health. Call for information at 371-8066. We work to help you keep your family together in a healthy way. Community County Services, 371-8066. This episode of Contact has been pre-recorded.